Our God is faithful. His faithfulness is great. And he is a God who never changes. So I invite you to stand and let's worship our unchanging God this morning. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. You never change. You never fail, oh God. True are your promises. True are your promises.
pray with us. We lay. We lay our lives down here at your feet to the one who will We give everything. Oh, how you love us. How can it be? No greater mercy.
this morning we wrap up our sermon series of Word of God Speak. We've been singing this song for a few weeks now. Let's make this our prayer. Asking God to speak to us through His Word this morning. Finding myself at a loss for words and the funny Including our uh, series on hearing the Word of God, taking a look at how the Word of God, the literal written Word of God, speaks. 
A.W. Tozer said this, The Word of God well understood and religiously obeyed is the shortest route to spiritual perfection. And we must not select a few favorite passages to the exclusions of others. Nothing less than a whole Bible can make a whole Christian. And that is imperative for us to understand. So many times we want to we want to kind of pick and choose those favorite passages. If if we're going to read the Bible, we got different books that we like to read. I was talking with one of the elders this morning, and he was telling me how he was reading the book of Lamentations. I don't know too many people that would read the book of Lamentations. And he said, "Well, I haven't read it in a while." The danger is when we when we approach the Bible as kind of a a la carte. We end up missing a lot of the the important passages and the things that God wants to share with us. And I got to thinking about this concept of what's called biblical literacy. You know, in this day and age where education and is, is being so challenged within the school system and kids cannot read or write and at the levels that they should within that, I think we have that same problem within the church. It's amazing how spiritually malnourished people are in light of how accessible God's Word is. Do you realize how easy it is to get the Word of God? I mean, we have it in printed form for sure, but you all got these electronic devices called phones, and you got your Bibles, and, and you know, it's, it's interesting, we have podcasts, and we have YouTubes, and and all of these different things. And I'm watching this next generation. And they're not carrying a Bible. They have their phone. And they don't go to church. They listen to a podcast. Or they, they watch it on YouTube or these other things. And I think about how much we've really lost. My encouragement to you, and, and granted you may love your electronic device... Get a Bible that is made out of paper and use it. Why? Because then you know where everything is because you have to flip the pages within that. If I ask you to take a look, and I want you to look up first hesitations. Would you know where it is? Or even if it's in the Bible. Well, you would know because it's a tool. It's, it's, it's something that we use. And so we have all of this printed word. You know, it's interesting. I did a little deep dive on some research in a LifeWay study that was done in 2020. It found that the average American today in the Protestant church, only 32% say they actually read the Bible. Now, that's an amazing statistic, but what's even more amazing is in 1991, it was 45%. It's dropping drastically. Evangelical Protestants, they're a little bit better at 36%, but not by much. In general, only 20% of Americans said that they've ever read the Bible all the way through from Genesis to Revelation. Which is why, in 2017, we started a study journey through the Bible. We started in Genesis and are moving our way through. On Wednesday nights, we're in the book of Ephesians. 
we'll finish Revelation here next year, and then we're going to start all over again. Lord willing, unless He comes. And within that, we think about this, only 22% of Americans say they actually read the Bible every day. 30% of the Americans said they've never read the Bible at all within this. And the challenge is, when we look at this absence of the Word of God being taught systematically, exegetically, working all the way through, we end up with a society that is malnourished, that doesn't know the Word of God, they don't know the mind of God, they don't know the will of God, and all, in, in the vacuum, in the void of this spiritual knowledge comes this deceitful deception from Satan. Is it any wonder that we're in the realm that we're in? That we're in the world that we're in? It's a spiritual famine, and it's not new to us. It happened in the nation of Israel. In Amos chapter 8, verse 11, it says this, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or of thirst for water, but rather for the hearing of the word of the Lord. Why? Because people's hearts become wicked and they turn away from God. People say, I don't want to hear the word of God. Why? Because it challenges my lifestyle. It challenges my, my presupposition. It challenges my worldview within this. In a Barna research recently discovered, 6% of American adults, hold to an evangelical worldview. If you were to take a test, and if you're going to be attending our, our next-gen study this afternoon, this evening, I'm going to give them all a test. What is your worldview? There's about 16 different worldviews that people have. And I found a, a, a study that actually asks you questions to help determine what your worldview is. But do you hold to an evangelical Christian worldview? Do you know what kind of questions should be asked if you hold to that? And, and what is the standard? Timothy Larson, a professor of Christian thought at Wheaton College, said this, quote, Biblical knowledge has been in a free fall for many reasons, many, mainly the decline of the long-form reading in church services in exchange for an emphasis on entertainment rather than instruction. This is, a, this is a college professor that has been doing a deep dive research and saying, why is biblical literacy in a free fall? And he says, because churches today have stopped the long form reading of God's word. They don't read the word of God. They give you snippets, little bites, in exchange for the entertainment of things within that. It's not that people don't have access to the word of God, but they've exchanged the spiritual formation and blessings of God's word for entertainment. They've gone to the easy believism. Instead of studying for yourself to see if it's so, you'd rather it be spoon-fed of a handful of ideas from some guy on a podcast who self-proclaimed as, as being all-knowing. I can tell you this, it, it's, it's not, as we're going to see, it's not for the pastor to tell you, it's for the Holy Spirit to speak to you through the Word of God within this. And we need to understand, we need to receive. I think that... The decline, again, in our world today, the morals, the values, the ethics are directly related to the removal of the reading of the Word of God out of the public school system. And slowly, the Word of God has been pushed to the margins more and more 
through secular humanists and even by Christian leaders within that. God gives us everything that pertains to life and godliness in His Word. And these declines in our morals and our ethics in society has created ignorance and malnutrition. Ignorance, people don't know. Malnutrition, because Christians are not spiritually strong enough to stand up against these things and say, no, that's not what truth is within this. It's a challenge for us. So what's the solution? The solution is this. Become dependent upon the Word of God. For yourself, for everything that pertains to life, how you live morally and ethically, and godliness, spiritually. It needs to be the very breath that you breathe in, within this. Deuteronomy 8, 3 says this, If he humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna which you didn't know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. That was how Israel was to be established. And he gave them manna so that they would learn to trust in God for the physical, but they neglected trusting in God for the spiritual. And we need to, we need to trust in God for the spiritual to depend upon him for these things. And again, it, it, it's, it's not by my words that will save your soul. It's the Word of God that saves your soul. As a preacher and a teacher, I can explain, I can expound, I can teach you. But the power behind the Word of God is the Holy Spirit. Taking it and speaking to your heart within that. I'm going to ask that you stand. I would like to read together out loud two verses out of Psalm 119, 105, and 106. The words are up there so we can all, like, hopefully get it together. <laughs> Does that say Numbers 105? No, that's Psalms, right? All right. So let's get it. One, two, three. Your word is a lamp to my feet. And a light to my path. I have sworn and I will confirm it that I will keep your righteous ordinances. God, we stand before you. We stand under the authority of your word. We stand together as one body knit together by the Lord Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. Have your way with our hearts as, as we study your word even now. And may we leave this place more determined to be breathing in your word and breathing out righteousness. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. So first things first. How do we develop a stronger relationship with God? How do we develop faith? We're going to look at a number of different passages this morning. And the first one is going to be in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. And it tells us that hearing the word of God leads to faith. Note. So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? Word. word. And so specifically, Jesus is talking about the words of Christ. Both the words of Christ and the words about Christ. We need to hear the words of Jesus and the words about Jesus as Lord and Savior within this. It's the whole meaning behind the, the gospel. 
Paul's argument in this section of Romans, he's arguing with the, the Jews who were neglecting the word. They've been given everything that they needed to be able to have a relationship with Yahweh, but they were rejecting the word of God within this. And they were struggling, and it was a lack of faith within their relationship, and they were rejecting Jesus the Messiah. It was their faithfulness or faithlessness that was directly related to Israel's fall. They rejected everything that was there. The Apostle Paul declared that Jesus is the Word. In John 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in John 1, 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. If the Word's about Jesus... And it's the words of Jesus that transforms life. Religion is not going to change you. And just reading in liturgy, the word will not change you. So last weekend we saw a coronation. And there was a lot of, of high church and liturgy that was given. But I often think, what would a nation be like that really would give themselves wholly and completely to the word of God? And how that would happen. What would a household be like? One translation puts this verse this way. Faith is, the awa- faith is awakened by the Word of God. I really like that translation. Faith is awakened by the Word of God. Do you struggle with faith? Do you struggle to believe? And then you wrestle and you try to white-knuckle faith into your life. I can tell you this. The best way to develop faith is to be in the Word. Not just to hear it as, as an auditory action, but to internalize it, to receive it, to understand it, to chew on it. It's, it's this transformation that needs to take place. <coughs> All transformational preaching and teaching comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. That transforms you. Romans chapter 1, 16 and 17. Paul would write, For I'm not ashamed of what? Because it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew and also to the Greek. For it, the gospel, is the righteousness of God's revealed from faith to faith, as it's written. But the righteous man shall live by faith. Notice that it is the gospel that is preached and the faith that is developed. With church attendance down and people leaving the church and attendance of church and leaving the Word of God, no wonder our nation and our world is in a decline. No wonder laws that are being passed that are atrocious about killing the young child in the womb and and all of these things that are happening. No wonder. These things should be an offense to so many people, but because there is darkness all over this land. And it's a challenge. For people to be saved, they need to hear the Word of God. Well, how do they hear the Word of God? Somebody's got to tell them. Because natural man, as we studied last week, doesn't discern spiritual things. The natural, unsaved, unregenerate person is not going to go looking for the Word of God. It is for the believer to bring it to him, as Paul would say in Romans chapter 10, 14 and 15. How then will they call on Him whom they've not believed? How will they believe in Him whom they've not heard? And how will they hear without a what? 
preacher. And that's more than just me. And how will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. Look at your toes. Do you have beautiful feet? Yes. Bunions and all that. It's not talking about physical feet. It's talking about those that bring good news. That, that are transporting the gospel to those that are in need. The hearing that is talked about here in Romans is this active and progressive hearing. In other words, you hear it and you're acting upon it and you are believing it to be so and you're obeying it. And it's a progressive hearing. You should be growing in the faith and knowledge and growing in the depth and understanding of God within that and being challenged within that. As a Christian, you are called to preach to whoever will listen. You say, well, I'm, I'm scared. They might be offended. How offended will they be when they are in eternal torment in hell and realize they had a Christian friend that never shared the gospel with them? Do you think they'll be offended then? When they're in eternal torment and they'll say, you didn't care enough about me to share the gospel. You were scared I might be offended. Christians, start offending people. Start sharing the gospel. Now do it in love. Don't get out the Bible and start swinging it like a sword and smacking them alongside the head. But be bold. Take those opportunities. Do you think God will give you the opportunities to, be, to preach the gospel? Yes. And you have to step into those things. And into that. And, and really it's that confession of life. You're confessing that which is true. If you believe it, you'll confess it through preaching it. Paul will say here in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. In two ways, resulting in the evidence that you know you're saved, but you're also confessing to others that you believe in this salvation through the Word of God. Do you believe it? Do you believe that the Word of God has the power to transform a life? Then tell people. Give them the Word of God. Specifically, the Word of Christ, because it's what gives life and sustains the life of the believer. Colossians 3, 15 and 16. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the Word of Christ rich, richly dwell within you, with all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another. Note, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Let. That means that, that you give the opportunity to, to have it work within you. We've been given everything. Everything. To be able to have an intimate relationship with God. To have salvation. And within that, we can give that to other people. But it all starts with the Word of God, not your opinion. Take them to the Word of God within this. 
read the Bible with people. And the Word of God is transformed. Flip over in your Bibles now to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 23 to 25. 1 Peter chapter 1, 23 to 25. says this, For if you've been born again, not of the seed which is perishable, but imperishable, and you have, that is, through the living and the enduring Word of God, for all flesh is like grass, and its glory like the flower of grass, the grass withers, And the flower falls off. But the word of the Lord endures for how long? And the word which was what? Preached to you. You have the enduring, the eternal word of God. It's lasting. Peter was writing this to the believers to to remind them that they were born again of an imperishable seed. Now, we begin life being born of a perishable seed. Humanity, right? Right? We're born, we will die. Perishable. This, this, this life that we have will go away. But when you're born again, you are spiritually made alive of an imperishable seed, which is what? The Word of God. And that seed will grow and produce fruit within your life. No one comes to the resurrection unless they come through the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus Christ. The firstborn of the resurrection. When he came out of the tomb alive, conquering sin and death, he was the firstborn of the resurrection. And all of us that put our faith and trust in him, God sees us alive in him and resurrected. You're already resurrected. The reality hasn't caught up with God's reality yet within that. As we read, in, and you can take this note, we're not going to read it this morning, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, all the way through that chapter is an amazing chapter, but specifically 20 to 23 within this. You're spiritually reborn. So Peter was writing to them, quoting Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, speaking that the word of the Lord is eternal. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Everything that man trusts in that is not of God is only here for a season. And then it goes away. But God's Word is established forever. Well, who declares you as a child of God? God does. In His Word. Who declares you as forgiven? God does. In His Word. Who declares you to be eternal with Him after this body goes away? God does. In His Word. And so when things go sideways and you start to worry, you got to check yourself and say, well, who am I listening to? And as bad as things get, and they will get bad, we can trust in the Word of God because it will last forever. As a Christian, you should not turn to Fox News, CNN, or whatever news channel you choose to try to find answers. Go to the Word of God. The Word of God should be the authority of your life. And the filter that you run everything else through. And it's to be preached as good news. And doesn't our world need good news today? There's so much bad news. So much. And they need the good news. We trust and tend to trust in the wrong things. When God gives us everything. Everything that pertains to life and godliness. You know, Jesus modeled this. 
Matthew chapter 4. Do you remember in the temptation, after he was baptized, taken out to the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, Satan comes up to him and says, Hey, look, if you're really the Son of Man, and you fasted for 40 days, so I know you're really hungry, turn these stones into bread. You know what Jesus does? He quotes Deuteronomy. In Matthew 4, 4, it says this. But he answered, he said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every, what? Word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Two more times, Satan would come with temptation. Two more times, Jesus would refute it with what? The Word of God. As the kids are going to learn in VBS, they're going to learn about the armor of God and the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God which is both an offensive and defensive weapon within this. The imperishable seed is the Word of God that allows us to stand forever. It's the Word of God that holds us, that keeps us, that nourishes us, that protects us. It's the Word of God that produces life. And actively listening and obeying it is going to give you confidence in life. I guarantee Based on the promises of God's Word, whatever you're going through, whatever trial, stop listening to other people first. Go to the Word of God first. Strengthen the inner man. Be nourished. And, and you know how I know this? We have a lot of seasoned saints that are members of the church, people that have been, been with Christ for a very long time, going through some tremendous trials, and they're immovable. You know why? Because their nose is in the book. They, if you were to cut them, they would bleed the Bible. When your first response to something is the Word of God, you know you're there. When your first response is a Bible verse that's running in your head, you know you're there. So what do we need to do? We need to hear it. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, we're going to see how there, there needs to be. So you say, okay, Carrie, I, I know I need to hear it. I know I need to study it. How do I make it legitimate? How do I make it real in my life? You have to add faith to it. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, it says this, For indeed we have good news preached to us, just as they did also, speaking of the Jews. Right? So now it's Christians and Jews. Same good news being preached, but the word they heard didn't profit them, because it was not united by faith with those that heard it. Why did the gospel not profit the Jews and they reject Jesus? Because they didn't add faith to it. What is faith? Faith is fully leaning in and trusting with your whole being into something. To, to, to fully be in that place. It's not just the hearing of the noise, but it's actually taking it into the root of the soul. United with faith. If you come here and you listen to the Word being taught, and it's being taught, and you walk away, and you're not transformed, it is not my fault. Not my fault. The word's going out. It's your fault. It's your fault because you're not adding what you're hearing to faith and believing it and obeying it. I could put a whole lot of counselors out of business. You know how? 
give them the word of God. And if people heard it and added their faith to it, leaned into it as true with their whole being, then they will be led. Ezekiel was a prophet and he was declaring the word of God and it was rejected. In fact, Ezekiel chapter 12 verse 2 says, Son of man, you live in the midst of a rebellious house who have been eyes to see but do not see, ears to hear but do not hear, for they are a rebellious house. Ezekiel was preaching and prophesying and all these things. People weren't listening. Why? Because they were rebellious. They were not hearing. Israel entered into judgment and captivity, even though they were warned time and time and time and time again, but they didn't believe it to be true. Do you know that Jesus Christ is going to come back at any moment? The Word of God tells us. Are you ready to see Him? Well, I don't know. I don't know if He's going to come back. Do you know that there's going to be a massive judgment, battle of Armageddon, great falling away, all of this, all of these end times. Do you know what's all going to happen? I don't know. You know, I think maybe, you know, I heard this one guy said, we're kind of in it right now. Oh, no, you're not. The reality is we need to hear the word of God, add it to faith and act upon it within this. And, the word, and we need to hear it with this, this one believing with Galatians chapter 3, verses 2 and 5 says this. This is the only thing that I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? So then, does he who provide you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by hearing of faith? How are you saved? Just by hearing John 3.16 or believing it? We need to believe it. And put the whole weight of our being into the power of the Word of God to transform us. If your life is not being transformed by the Word of God, I would say you've got a faith problem, not a hearing problem. You may hear it, but you've got you've to lean into it. You've got to believe it. And it means that, that it's just not accepting it as a truth. For example, Abraham. Was Abraham a man of faith? Sure. Can you imagine God coming to Abraham and saying, Abraham, Abraham, I want you to leave your family, the Ur, the Chaldees. I want you to go to a place that you've never been, pack everybody up, head on out. I heard your voice, but what did Abraham do? He left. And he followed God. Abraham, Abraham, I want to give you a son. You wanted a son. I want you to have relations with your wife who's really, really old and past childbearing. And you're really old and past childbearing. But yet, I'm going to give you your son. You want me to what? And by faith, he acted upon it. Abraham, Abraham, I want you to offer your son, your one and only son. You want me to what? Okay, let's go. The Bible says as he was about to drive the knife into the chest of his one and only son on an altar that he had built, God said, now I know. He heard and he acted upon it. That's what hearing with faith 
looks like. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Done. But I don't know how this is going to work. You don't have to. God's got it. And it's the word of God, not just heard, but it's received and demonstrated that puts down roots in your life. I guarantee every time you hear God speak to you and you act upon it, you will be blessed. You will see him move. Because the fruit of faith is revealed through actively listening and obeying God's word. When God's word speaks to you. Now, are there hindrances to the word of God? Yes, there are hindrances. The word of God will only grow in a life that is fertile. You may have to take care of some stuff. You're all familiar with the parable of the soils. The parable of the soils was a parable that Jesus would teach in Matthew chapter 13. We're not going to go all the way through it. It's, it's 23 verses that's there in the whole section. But in reviewing some of the soils, there was four different kinds. There was the, the hard path. There was the rocky soil. There was the weedy, thorny soil. And then there was the good soil. Do you remember the account? Most of you can remember all the way back into Sunday school. And so in the Near Eastern culture, a sower would go out and throw out seed along this path. And in Israel, there's, you can see it in the farmland that's there. Well, Jesus tells it to describe how the Word of God interacts with human life within these four soils within this. And the first one that we see in Matthew 13, 3 to 4 and 19 says this. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And he sowed some seeds, fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. When one hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away. What has been sown in his heart, that is, one on whom the seed was sown beside the road. So the hard path, when they would set up land for farming, there would be a hard path. And they would go through and they'd plow the fields, but all the rocks that were in the field, they would take them and they'd toss them off to the side. So you would have good soil in the middle, and then right next to that you'd have some weeds where just on the edge, and then you'd have all the rocks piled up, and then you'd have the hard path that the carts and the people would walk on. And the sower would go out in the afternoon when the wind was up, and he'd have a satchel, and he'd take the seed and he'd cast it out. And he would sow a lot of seed. Why? Because he wants a lot of crop. So he'd sow a lot of seed out there and he'd cast it all out. And would, the wind would carry it in all of these places. Well, some of the seed invariably would be blown on the hard path. And the birds would come and they would eat what was put on the path. And they would snatch it away. Well, that's the word of God. It never penetrated the soil. Are there people in hearts that are hard-hearted? Yes. You can preach the Word of God to them until you're blue in the face. It never penetrates. And if the seed never penetrates, it never interacts with that life. They don't hear it with faith and there is no fruit. And Satan will take it away within them. Then you have the, the rocky soil. In Matthew 3, 5 to 6 and 20 to 21, others fell on the rocky places where they didn't have much soil. Immediately they sprung up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched. When they had no root, they withered away. And the one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this was the man, note, who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. 
Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately falls away. What happens here? Well, the seed falls into the cracks behind, between the rocks. A lot of hardness, cracks. Seed goes in there and it sprouts up full of joy. This is the emotional response. But it doesn't last very long. Because it's got no depth. Again, no interaction, no fruit. There's no depth. It's the one that says on a Sunday, Yes, Lord, I want to be born again on Monday. Yeah, it really didn't matter. It's the emotional response. No fruit. These rocky places are those that are shallow, shallow people. Make a shallow emotional response to the message of God's Word. There's no change with them. The third soil. Some are going to hear it. It starts to put a little bit of life out there, but it soon gets choked out. Matthew 13, verses 7 and 22. Others fell on the thorns. Thorns came up, choked them out. And the one whom the seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word of God. Note, the worry of the world and deceitfulness of wealth chokes out the word and it becomes unfruitful. This is the person there, the seed goes in and, it, and it's moving closer to the good soil, but now it's a bunch of weeds. And the seed goes in and the weeds grow up and it just chokes it out. Why? Because of worry worldliness, trials, all of these different things. The Word never interacted with faith and it's choked out because the weeds are stronger than the soil. There's, it just chokes it out. It's done. These are the people that, yeah, you see a little bit of a plant, but again, no fruit. Why? Because there's so much worry and stress and what if and this and, and all of these other things and not really interacting with faith. What do we want? Good soil. Which is the fourth soil. This is the, the fourth soil that is spoken of here. That receive it, that produces fruit within this. Matthew 13, 8-9 says this. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop. Some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Note. He who has ears, let him hear... And the one on whom the seed was sown on the good ground, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Why is the soil good? Because it was broken up. Why was the soil good? Because all of the rocks and the stones and the things that were Blocking it. Removed. Why was the soil good? Because all the weeds are pulled out. And not allowed to continue to be in this place. And the Word of God has enough time. And depth. And interaction. To produce fruit. Maybe this morning. you got to pray. God break up. The hardness of my heart. Remove the stony places. Of my compromise. Pull the weeds. That seem to choke out. Confidence in you. My worry. My anxiety. Work over my heart. So that I might receive your word. 
within us. The Word of God penetrates the heart. It's understood. It produces fruit. It's embedded. embedded. And Peter would write in 2 Peter 3.18, But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now, today, and for eternity. The goal is the Word of God would grow in your life. You need to, as Jesus would say, have ears to hear and understand the Word of God. Do you need to be in church? Yes. Do you need to be in God's Word? Yes. How often? Daily. And faith is the fruit that's produced from really actively listening and actively applying the Word of God to your life. You want the Word of God to speak? Be still and know. Listen. And when God says it, believe it. And put everything you have into it as God's Word being true. A hearer and a doer. And you will see blessed fruit in your life. Let's pray. God, I thank You. I thank You that we can be in this place to honor You, to hear Your Word, Your Word that's being taught, Your Word that's being spoken. But God, You're the one that changes our lives. God, we've been given this privilege of having an intimate relationship with You through Your Son, Jesus. It's not by our best efforts. We could be a theologian when it comes to the written Word, but apart from the Holy Spirit, we're not going to know anything. And we can't have the Holy Spirit unless our sins that separate us are dealt with. So, Lord Jesus, this morning, we want to respond to Your Word, to obey Your command, to celebrate communion, the remembrance of You giving Your body and Your blood for our forgiveness of sins, to remove that barrier to being saved. This morning, we're going to have a time of, of communion. It is a practice that has been commanded by Jesus. As often as we were to meet together and, and take the bread in the cup, we're remembering Him. The bread reminds us of the body of Jesus that physically was beaten, humiliated, and judged on a cross death by His Father for all of our sins. He died in our place. And the one thing He asks is, as often as you eat this little piece of bread, remember Me. Who should not take communion? One who doesn't accept the forgiveness that Jesus has given him. One who doesn't believe that their sins are forgiven, that Jesus died for them. Don't take communion because it's, it, it has no meaning for you. The blood, it represents the washing away of our sins. The blood that was shed that, that atoned for those sins. The blood of Jesus. In the same manner, if you're continuing and practicing in sin, in rebellion, don't take communion. Or, right now, 
confess that sin to God, ask for forgiveness, and then receive the communion. If you're not a child of God, ask Jesus in your heart right now. Say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Be Lord of my life. You said if I believe in my heart and confess with with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, I'll be saved. Lord, I do that now. Then receive communion. As all the elements are passed out, hang on to them until everybody's been served and we'll take it together. Father, bless this time of communion, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Sent Jesus on the cross As far as east and west I see his righteousness My sins are now removed Oh, my sins are now removed Oh, praise him I'll stand before the Lord. Let's hold the bread up. God, I thank you for this bread that we're about to receive. Lord, when we consider what you've done to redeem us, to redeem me, over 2,000 years ago, When you hung on that cross, you took my sin, the judgment for my rebellion, and the wrath of your Father that should have been mine for all eternity upon your body. So that when I die, this life is over. I'm guaranteed a new home, a new body, eternal life, all because of the cross. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for this bread, and we receive it as an act of obedience unto you. And saying thank you. Let's receive it. Hold the cup up before the Lord. God, you demanded 
that there would be a, a blood sacrifice. The wage of sin is death. Blood would have to be shed. You gave the blood of bulls and goats for a period of time, but it was only a, a covering to teach us about the consequences of sin. Yet justice had to be served, and it was served at the cross. That, Lord Jesus, when you died, and your blood was shed, and your heart was pierced and outflowed blood and water, that broken heart cleansed my sin. We thank you for this cup that you established as a symbol of a new covenant relationship that we can have with you, God. And you told us that as often as we drink it, to remember you. As we lift this glass, we do remember you. And we say thank you. Realizing that we stand before a holy God, holy because of what you've done. We look forward to that day, Lord Jesus. May it be soon. That once again, your whole church, the whole body is gathered together where you'll lift a glass. Us with you. And we will worship you. Because worthy is the Lamb. We thank you for this cup. In Jesus' name. Let's all receive it together. Thank you, Lord. As is our practice... In response to communion, we take up a very special offering. That offering is for uh, people in need. We've been loved on so much by God that we want to show that love towards others. So the ushers are going to come forward and gather what we call the benevolent offering. It's available to anybody in the church body and the community to help meet needs. We pray over this offering. God, I thank you for all that you've provided. I thank you for all that you've given. And Lord, most important, your son. And so we want to worship you. Use these gifts for your kingdom's glory. Lord, I think of those that, as a church, we've helped with roofs and medicine and ramps and, and bills. Lord, I thank you this body loves well. May we continue to do so. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin, lost without hope with no place to be in. The Lord made a way to that mercy come in. When death was arrested in my Oh, your grace, so free. 
God, we thank you for this new life. We thank you for the blessings that you've afforded to us. And we thank you that you speak to our hearts every day. And as we go out today, may we honor you in every ounce of our being. Father, we thank you and we praise you for this time. As you're dismissing, if the Lord puts on your heart to be able to give for your tithes and offerings, 
there'll be boxes in the back that you can uh, place that in. Father, we thank you for the provision in our lives. And, and so, Lord, I pray blessing over these tithes and these offerings. Use them for your kingdom's sake. And most importantly, may everything that we say and do make you smile. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. And praise Jesus. Thanks for joining us in the study of God's Word with Pastor Kerry Wacker. We'd love to have you join us in person for worship each Sunday morning at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. We also meet Wednesday nights at 630 p.m. Warren Community Fellowship is located at 56523 Columbia River Highway in Warren, Oregon, between Scappoose and St. Helens. For more information about Warren Community Fellowship or about WCF Ministries, call us at 503-397-4387. And don't forget to like us on Facebook.